Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, here, joined, of course, by my ever-colorful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great. Hope you are doing well. I'm doing fabulous. We've got a fantastic show for you today. We're going to be speaking with none other than uh, number one New York Times bestselling author, Jonathan Kellerman. Of course, people will know him from the Alex Delaware series, along with the other 50 books that he's written. Uh, there's thir- I believe this is number 36. It's called Serpentine. It's going to be out shortly in the Alex Delaware series. So we're very excited to talk to Jonathan coming up shortly. I want to remind everybody here that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine. So visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. Also, don't forget our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, with author Jeffrey Deaver, uh, Linwood Barkley, Reese Bowen, Heather Graham, John Lesquois, Kevin O'Brien, D.P. Lyle, so many other greats uh, in there. So make sure you check out Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. PW Starred Review, I might have to add on that one. Jeff always makes me remember that. So check out that. Um, So without any further ado, let's welcome Mr. Kellerman here to the show. So Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? It's my absolute pleasure doing great. Fabulous. You know, we've been in the book world for so long, and of course, you know, we've seen your name. I mean, you wrote Alex Delaware back in 1985. This is the first time we've actually been able to speak with you. So thank you again so much for taking the time to come on here and and talk to us two goofballs about your latest book, Serpentine. Uh, uh, It is a pleasure to... I, I'm actually a very accessible guy, so I'm, I, I, I haven't been hiding. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you haven't been hiding from us? You know, but that's no, okay. not yet. <laughs> from nobody. From, there's nobody I want to hide from except possibly turmoil and politics and that kind of stuff. You know? Well, you know, well, the night Alex, is young. Alex Delaware's <laughs> yeah. got quite a catalog, and now he's yeah. up to, you know, book 36 and, and Serpentine. Yeah. So give us, a, you know, a taste of what you got going on for him. Well, Serpentine's done, and, and I've been just thrilled at the great reviews in getting uniform raves. You mentioned, you know, it's also a star PW thing, and, you know, you never know what people are going to say. Um, what I did in this book is I like to give myself a challenge. You know, it's a series, but you try to grow within a series. And I find Delaware a great vehicle for telling a certain type of story. Uh, because I was trained as as a psychologist, I'm interested in human human behavior and motivation. So he allows me to explore that. And, and I think people have related to it, which is uh, why, to my knowledge, it's, uh, I think, the longest-running series in American crime fiction. There, there may be another I don't know about, but everyone tells me it's the longest running. I'm, I'm amazed by it because who knew when you publish your first novel that you're going to be doing this for 40 years, for 35 years. So I'm, I'm extremely gratified. But this book, I try to challenge myself by basically starting off with what, to all intents and purposes, is an unsolvable crime and then solving it. So, so, so that's really what, what got me writing this particular book. And I, because of COVID, uh, these crazy times, there's been a burst of creativity, and I actually finished another Delaware novel called City of the Dead, which comes out in a year, and I'm about halfway through the following one. Because I'm, not going any, I'm not going anywhere, you know. So, so it's, it's, you know. I mean, Faye and I are very lucky. This, these are horrible times, and I really, really feel for people who are in small houses, small apartments. We we have a fairly generous place with a nice piece of property and a lot of animals. You know, the kids are all grown, so we have a menagerie now of animals. And, yep. and so, you know, it's not the best. I'd like to see my grandkids without wearing a mask 
and distancing. But for the most part, we have it, I think, better than most people because, honestly, this is what we always did. We stayed at home and wrote. We worked mm-hmm. from the house. So been doing that for 35 years. So, you know, we're, we're just making the best of it, really. Gotcha. Wow. Well, um, let, let me ask you, because you say you, you try and create this crime and then you solve it. Do you solve it before you start writing it? And also, I do. Um, I do. Well, you do. Okay. What makes yeah. the case different for Milo? Because Milo always gets Alex involved when the case is different. What defines different? A different case, the kind of case he would call Alex in, is, is a strange case. Most murders are pretty mundane. Uh, they're just a matter of plotting through. But it's when there's a, a psychological or psychopathological aspect to it that he enlists Delaware. And those are the ones that I like to concentrate on. Um, you know, st- stuff that wouldn't hit, hit the news on page one, but might hit it on page 42. Bizarre stuff, strange stuff. I've always been attracted to that, which is probably one of the reasons I became a psychologist and chose to continue that in writing fiction. But, you know, people ask me, am I sick of doing it? Because a lot of people write, write a series, they're really tired of it. I, I've done non-series books as well, but I just, I love writing this series. It's so much fun because there's a challenge to me to, to be original. Despite the fact that it's a series, you're always balancing originality with what I call the comfort of the familiar. In other words, loyal fans who've been with me for decades, they need to feel a sense of comfort. But you also want a new reader to be able to come in and pick up any book at any point in the series and be able to read it without feeling like it's too much of an in-joke. So I like the challenge. I mean, you know, Graham Greene said, once a writer passes 60, there's only two reasons to write, fun or money, and sometimes both. So I'm having fun. And and I know it's very déclassé thing to admit that, because, you know, a lot of writers would like to make like, oh, it's such a struggle, life is so terrible, I'm a dark, sensitive guy. And that's how writers are portrayed generally with mood disorders. I'm not that guy. I'm a happy guy who likes to write books. And, and, and that's what I do. And it's hard work, I'll tell you that. But it's, oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just a great job. I mean, I do two, three hours of writing and I'm exhausted. But, but yeah, I generally, in a general sense, know where I'm going. I outline. I do as much prep, prep work as as writing works. It's kind of like being a surgeon. You've got to set, set your tools out before you start cutting. Otherwise, it's going to be a big mess. So I spent six or seven months thinking, plotting, outlining, trying to get con- control of the story. That said, I'm sure you've heard this from many other writers, it changes. It changes as you write, and I'll go back and finish a book and go back and look at the outlines. It's a totally different book. So, you know, go now. <laughs> yeah. no. Now, you did kind of start, like, back around the late 90s, I believe. You started a new character, and you had, like, Petra Connor that you did a couple yeah. books with. Alex Delaware showed up in there, and then you kind of stopped it. Was it just because Alex was just always on your mind and you couldn't get away from, from Alex? You know, why, um, you know, a lot of, someone who writes a series this long sort of kind of jumps out, except maybe like a Lee Child who has never really jumped out with another character. Can you explain a little bit about why, you know, you never really continued with Petra or any other character giving them their own series? Well, it's kind of interesting. The first non-series book I did was my fourth 
uh, novel. I did three Delawares, When the Bow Breaks, Blood Test, and Over the Edge. And and that was a, a real surprise to me because I didn't, never thought I'd get published, let alone write best-selling novels, and that this would start to take over and be my job. So I, so I did a book set in Israel because I lived in Israel. And in fact, Faye and I have, have an apartment there now, and we love it there. And, and I was just very taken with, with the fact that though the Middle East is such a hotbed of, of intrigue, in the nation of Israel, there was virtually no violent crime other than political crime. And so as a writer, that kind of appeals to you, the what if. So I wrote The Butcher's Theater, and then I, and then I went back, back to Delaware. And then, uh, yeah, and then, and then I put Sharabi, Daniel Sharabi, the detective in The Butcher's Theater in one of the Delaware novels called Survival of the Fittest. And then I decided to write from a, a woman's perspective, and I wrote a book called Twisted with Petra and, and Billy Strait with Petra. I did a couple of those, but it was just, it's just too much to write two novels, two series. And, and then I felt she would fit very nicely into the Delaware series. It would be an opportunity to have a, to have a woman detective that he could deal with. And the same thing happened with, with, with Moses Reed, who was a character – in, in, in my novel, True Detectives, about two brothers. And I did one book with them, and I, I felt I told that story. And then I made Mo a, 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 just another staple within the Delaware series, one of Milo's junior detectives. So I guess the fact is that I like telling a certain type of story. I've done Golem books with Jesse. I have the Clay Edison series. I've done uh, another book called The Murderer's Daughter with with a woman named Grace Blades. And, and I just felt that those type of books lend themselves to a finite story. And then I just want to go back to explore the kind of themes that I explore with Delaware. Honestly, it's just too much to be writing two, three books a year. I did it for a while when I was younger. I'm 71. Now, I'm I'm a healthy guy. My mother just turned 101. So I'm hoping genetics plays its role. I feel like a young guy, but I don't have wow, the energy. Wow, that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I don't have the energy I did when I was 41. I still think I have great energy. But, you know, writing, as you guys know, writing is hard work. And at this point in my life, I just deciding to concentrate on Delaware and the Clay Edison series, which I write with Jesse. And that's really enough to deal with. Uh, but that doesn't say I'll never go back to these other people or, or create another character. It, it, you know, it just depends. just depends. Delaware has been such, a, such an appealing guy. I mean, some people love him, and it's just the kind of story that I really enjoy telling. So, so that's the reason the story guides me. Gotcha. Well, I was going to say that means you're going to be writing for at least another 30 years. I like this. Um, <laughs> yeah. See? You just, you, just, you just aged yourself, and here come, here come more Delaware novels. I mean, you got to keep going. Well, very very well, honestly, so, publishing has, has really changed. And it's just not as much fun as it used to be, and the money's not as good as it used to be. So you really have to start evaluating at some point. It's why I want to keep on doing this. I like it. I enjoy it. And if Random House keeps saying, come on back, I'll come on back. And if people yeah. keep buying the books, I will come on back. I don't want to, I don't want to be a pathetic has-been sitting in the deli in Nate Nell's and, and, and talking about the way things used to be, you know. So, <laughs> I, I, I used to be in a writer's group full of guys much older than myself talking about the past. I don't like talking about the past. I'm kind of a here-and-now futuristic guy. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to keep going. If God grants me continued good health, 
My mm-hmm. my mom was super healthy till she was ninety six and a half. She's not in great health, but she's one hundred and one. So you know, <laughs> and we have the same <laughs> cholesterol. So I'm hoping. You never know. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have a quick story to tell you, uh, yeah, Jonathan. Please. So um, I grew up in a small town that um, didn't have authors come visit, and I moved away to San Francisco, and. In 1987, so I just moved there, and shortly after I moved there, I walked into a bookstore, and Over the Edge had just come out. And so I I saw the hardcover, and I grabbed it, and I walked over the counter, and I was buying it, and the clerk said, that's Jonathan Kellerman over there. So you are the very first author I ever met, and I I still have that signed book. That's so so cool. Well, I hope you have the signed book. I hope you didn't dump it. So, so do we have a nice chat? Do we have a nice chat? What was it like? Yes, we I, you did. Know. You were you oh. were you were very nice, and I was just like, wow, oh. this is really cool. And, oh, uh, that's yeah, great. So, <laughs> just like you. I guess this happens in San Francisco every day. You just walk into a bookstore and see a best-selling author. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah, it didn't happen the next day, though. <laughs> That's so great. That's, I'm, I, you know, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad I was a nice guy. I'm not having a good mood. You know? I mean, I will say that my wife has, you know, my wife's read a lot of your wife's books and your books, so you've been in my bed a lot. I mean, that, that, that counts. <laughs> well, if, we're, if we're keeping you up at night, we're happy. Yeah, if that counts, I mean, the good light's night, been everybody. on, and I'm like, honey. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, night, everybody. You know, um, it, it's, it's wonderful to bring, to bring people pleasure in, in, in this kind of way. And, and, you know, at first it was something I had to wrestle with because when I was a psychologist, I spent a, about half of that time in academic medicine running a program at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles for kids with cancer. So that was pretty important stuff. And every day when I came home exhausted, I knew I'd done something important because we, we set up the template that's now used for emotional care of kids with cancer. It's back in the 70s. Nice. So then I went into private practice, and I, and I was really helping people. So all of a sudden, I've got this, this job where, you know, I just get to sit around in the house and write, and, and it started to – I started to say, you know, I don't know, you know. And I didn't give up psych until it was absolutely – I just couldn't handle both careers. It was too much. I waited for five or six years until 1991 finally left psych, and, but always with a little bit of wistfulness. And I, I, it wasn't that I felt I was doing something trivial. But then you hear from people, and they tell you how much the books mean to them. And you have other situations, like I wrote a book called Devil's Waltz, which was about Munchausen by proxy. And when I wrote the book, no one had ever heard about this, including doctors, which is why I wrote about it. Subsequently, it became a well-known thing. But I got letters from nurses and doctors saying, I read your novel, and you saved the kid's life because we figure out what was going on. So I said, okay, this could be pretty important too. So, I, you know, I've kind of acclimated myself to that. Nice. Well, um, so we were talking about age uh, a bit ago, and I'm curious, how do you tackle the age issue with Alex? Because <laughs> theoretically, he's 70 this year. Yeah, don't, please don't say that. Please don't say that. No, no. The, the, you know, the, truth, the truth of the matter is, you never figure this out. You know, Faye has kind of aged her character. Like, Decker is 70. I decided not yeah. to age her and just not to deal with it. I looked to Robert Parker, and, and I knew Bob, oh, you know, yeah. with the Spencer series. I don't know whether you guys ever met, met Bob, but he was just great. He, and he said, just do what, do what you want to do and don't worry about it. And it doesn't need to make sense. 
fiction is a suspension of disbelief anyway. Sue, right. Sue Grafton dealt with it in a very clever way. All the Kinsey Mill, Millhouse series, uh, they all, they all um, take place in one year, basically, in a certain period. I just decided to ignore it, and we're going to age him very, very slowly. You know? <laughs> so I don't deal with his age. They're both young guys. You know, they start off at my age. We're the same age, which is why I made Delaware my age in my first novel. I was 35 when I published it, so, but, but they're much younger than me, <laughs> much younger than me, and I just don't deal with it because it's fiction, and for me, writing fiction was a real liberation from, what I, from the writing I used to do, which was academic medicine. In academic medicine, you have to, you know, document every sentence comes out of your typewriter or computer. You've got to reference everything. It's got to be accurate. It's got to be you're truthful, and, and you have to do that in fiction. Basically, you get paid to lie. So it's, a, it's very liberating. You know? <laughs> now, the one thing that I've, I have to admit I do not remember seeing, so if it's happened, I apologize, but I don't remember seeing any kind of TV movie or any kind of uh, motion you're picture wrong. with Alex Delaware at all. There was. Well, there, there was, was one. There was one. Which one? But since you're young, probably you're not going to remember the first Ted novel, Danson. When the Bell Ted Danson. Oh, Ted Danson. Yeah, Ted Danson and Richard Mazur, Alex and Milo. It was 1980. It came out in '86, the year after oh. it came out. Okay. Uh, the guy who wrote the screenplay won. He won an Edgar for it, even though I wrote most of the screenplay. Uh, and <laughs> of uh, course, because I had to fix, I had to fix it. Uh, I le- I've learned my lesson since. Get paid and get credit. But anyway, it, it, it was a huge success. This is before the days of cable television. So there was only a few stations. So something like, I don't know, 30 million people watched this movie. You would have thought NBC wow. would, have snapped, would have snapped it up to do a big series on it. But Ted, who's a great guy, by the way, pleasure to deal with, very good actor and a lovely guy, he just wanted to be a movie star and get out of TV, and he started yeah. a movie. He was trying to get out of Cheers, and he never did. Exactly. And he went back He's back TV. now with another show, Mr. Mayor. He can't get out. And then he did Dan yeah. Becker and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, you can't get out of TV. <laughs> exactly. So it didn't happen. And since that, that time, I've had a lot of experiences. Huh. I've had Francis Ford Coppola buying stuff. I've had, you know, I've made a ton of money on options and deals and Bruckheimer. I mean, I can name everybody. And they can't seem to get it. So recently we've tried to do the streaming thing. You know, right, because I, I was going to say there's so many yeah. platforms now that are finding original material. You would think you Alex know, D- Delaware would be a perfect one to jump like a Harry Bosch or somebody in an Amazon or a Hulu place. You would yes. think. I have, uh, we spent last year, I have a friend who's a very successful producer. He and Jesse and I got together and we, we pitched to every streaming service and nobody was interested. And in fact, that's Amazon was the worst, and they told me if we we would never buy Bosch now. And I said, why successful? They don't want it. they want to do what they think is edgy, youth oriented stuff. So so far, I got to be very brutally honest. There's That's why I don't watch story. Amazon original shows. Well, you know exactly. I mean, look, I'm not going to say anything. You know, I'm I will. I don't watch them because they bore me. I mean, I watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, but that yeah. was the most yeah. original I watched in a while because they just bore the hell out of me. They're not very written. Well, They're not written very well. Most of it is formulaic. The problem with writing thrillers, I, I, I think with all due modesty, I'm the only guy writing about psychopathology from a psychologist's perspective in a thriller that's accurate. I, I have a real problem with most of what goes down. But people don't seem to think so. 
So they keep writing these derivative, rather crappy screenplays, and if people are happy with it, they're happy with it. I, you know, it's the kind of thing, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I've got 90 million books in print. I'm a happy guy. I love writing books. Yeah. Every, time, every time you do a deal, you seed control anyway, which is why I had Jesse along, because he's the only guy that I trust. Because I've had yeah. so many people try to do screenplays on my books, and they just come out terrible. So I had Jesse do a screenplay on Over the Edge because I thought that would be a great book. And oh, he did a, yeah. oh, yeah, I mean, that, it would be a huge hit. It's a really good story, and he did a great screenplay. And just, you know, they don't even want to read it. They just want to have a meeting, and then, and then you move on. So it was a little bit, I won't say disappointing, it was a little bit... Uh, familiar. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not that different than than network. You're you're dealing with a lot of very untalented people, and uh, you know if they figure it out, they figure it out. So it's kind of like politics. They just set the bar so low yeah. that there's no bar anymore. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's really interesting. And and the funny thing is, sometimes people want to meet you because you know supposedly you're a well-known author, and it's. Then it's like it reminds me of a story. Like Faye, Faye was doing a book tour back in the days when we did book tours, and she's rushing. She's she's late, and she's rushing to get a flight. And she and the flight is just about to take up. She gets to the desk, and the woman at the airport desk goes, "You're Faye Kellerman. Oh, I love your books." That's so. And Faye says, "Oh, can I get on the plane?" No. <laughs> you know, so, you know. <laughs> it's difficult. You know. Oh, that's, that's sorry. Um, I, is is um, is there a place yeah. to see the Ted Danson version? I don't know. I mean, I, I that's a good question. Good. I was sixteen when that came out. Then I don't remember it. I yeah. I don't remember sixteen. Let's put it that way. But if you guys yeah. can find it, let me know. It's probably on some, you know, eight track or whatever. Probably <laughs> someplace. I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe on CD. I don't follow this stuff. It's probably bootlegged all over the place. It was a, it was a pretty good television movie. Yeah. I had to rewrite the script, and by television standards, it was pretty good. And and I just thought the acting was very good, directing was very good, and I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. It was a lot of fun too, because it was shot here in L.A., so I got to go on the set. Nice. It was a new experience, a new experience for me. And, and Ted was a doll. He's a, he's a lovely guy, and just a lot of fun. I mean, the way I rewrote the script, this is interesting. Teddy was was uh, was executive producing it too, so he just didn't like the screenplay. He knew that's not what he wanted to do. So my agent said, "Go in there." So we sat in an office at Taft Entertainment when they used to be in business on Wilshire Boulevard, and Teddy and and a female actress read the script line by line out loud, and I rewrote the bad lines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was quite- it's quite an ex- and I've never written a screenplay. I'm a novelist. I I, I just like to yeah, that's do two different one worlds. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like collaboration. I you know, I'm a social guy. I'm a friendly guy. But when it comes to work, I realize I like things that I can do by myself. Uh, being a psychologist, said the same thing. He goes, I just can't no, work with other people. He goes, I can't. He goes, I just end up taking it over anyway and leaving them behind. <laughs> well, Dean, I love Dean, but Dean's a different personality. He never leaves his house. You know, he doesn't. Fly. He never leaves his house. I mean, I'll tell you a story about Dean. Years ago, we used to hang out, and I'd go, but it, but it was always me going down to Orange County to see him. I could never get him up to L.A. So nope. we shared we shared a uh, the same agent uh, in Scandinavia, Leonard Sane, and Leonard and Elizabeth were were visiting their authors in California. So 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 Dean said, okay, Jerda and I and and Leonard Sane, we we'll, we will come up to L.A. and we'll have dinner with you guys. 
Okay, so so I'm waiting in this big white stretch limo, like a prom limo, you know, with, with little fifty lights on the side. Gigantic white stretch limo pulls up in front of my house, and there's there's a driver, and there's Elizabeth, and there's Leonard, and no Dean and Jura. <laughs> you know, I love Dean, but he, he just doesn't like to travel. I like. To he travel. does not like to travel. We oh, would well, we interviewed him. My uh, Shannon and I went down to his house last November before the pandemic. Yeah. He he invited us to come yeah. down, and we interviewed him in his house. And he was yeah. telling. He goes, yeah. He goes, I have to go to L.A. tomorrow, so I had to get a driver to take me up there, and I really don't want to go, but I have to go. Yeah. He was he really <laughs> the whole time. He really like it. I'm I'm a social guy, and I'm very friendly. As kind of a gregarious person, and I like people, but the things I like to do professionally are things like being a psychologist, sitting in a room with one other person, or sitting by myself and writing books, or I play classical guitar, or I paint. So I like solitary things, and then I'll emerge and socialize a little bit. <laughs> Got to keep that creative I, and, and I think that helps. I think that helps being a writer. A lot of writers complain about the solitude of it, and for me... It's fantastic because Faye and I raised four kids, and we had a, you know, a household full of animals and kids. So our writing time was the only escape either of us had. She'd go into her office, I'd go into mine, we'd close the door, finally had a little peace and quiet. So it was great. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask you about Milo and Alex's relationship, because yeah. depending on who you approach, there's a different um, thought behind it, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, well, you know, um, some some folks will say that uh, Milo and Alex love each other in a relationship beyond uh, huh? brotherly love. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and then others say, no, 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 no. They just, uh, they're, they're, you know, they do anything for each other. They're like brothers. Yeah. So well, I, talk a bit I of, think that's, yeah. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, no. So let's talk about Milo and Alex. Well, I, I, I think that first point of view involves somewhat limited thinking. in that, And that's just what I was trying to combat when I created the series. I wasn't trying to make a political statement, but I was trying to be original. And I thought, you know, I have to write about a psychologist. I finally figured out, write what you know. So I did what I did, but I said, I don't like books where the amateur detective just does it by himself because it's ridiculous. And you need a cop. So I said, I need a cop, but how can I avoid the cliche? Well, I had gay friends, and I knew some gay cops in a time, this is the early 80s, 81 when I started writing the book, when there were officially no gay cops in L.A. Police Department, which is very homophobic. But I knew there were gay cops. And I said, how about a straight guy and a gay guy having a friendship? And gay, but so what? And it was pretty revolutionary in 1981. And the way people evolved, at first, I used to get all these great letters from gay people going, oh, thank you so much for creating this character because I love mysteries, but they're so homophobic, blah, blah, blah. And I got awards and all kinds of stuff. And then it slowly starts to morph into how can Kellerman as a straight man write about the gay experience, which is a lot of bullshit. You know, I, I, I don't deal with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, people are going to think they, they love each other like brothers. They're best friends. Alex says this is my best friend. You know, sometimes you just get a rapport with somebody. And here are these two guys. They share certain things. They share being born and growing up in the Midwest. They share tortured childhoods for different reasons. They're both detail-oriented, compulsive guys. But they're very, very, very different. And they, and they, but yet they both take their respective training to achieve common purpose. So I just see them 
I see it as a warm and wonderful friendship, which has occasional occasional little flare ups. You know, there's some like there's some situations where where they have a difference of opinion. One gets, but they're basically best friends, and I just think. It's been so much fun writing with both of them. They're interesting guys. And, and Milo clearly thinks Alex is a genius. You know, he thinks he's just brilliant. He thinks, and he is. He's just a brilliant guy. But yet, he is the professional, and uh, he's saved the bacon quite a few times. Well, I love the trust between the two of them. Yeah. And um, that's really hard to establish. And, uh, it is. It comes, it comes do, with time. Yeah. It comes with time. I mean, one thing, while I don't age the characters, I do tend, I do choose to develop them as people. You know, when, when Faye and I started getting published, I was published in 85, she was published in 86. This is what people called the second golden age of American crime fiction. Now, uh-huh. prior to that time, you had some wonderful character-driven stuff, but you also had Agatha Christie, whom I admire. But let's face it, Agatha Christie's characters don't really change. Poirot is Poirot. And that's okay. He's a vehicle for solving a puzzle, and she's the great puzzle master. Nothing wrong with that. It's, we just chose to write novels, and novels involve character and evolution and change. And the only difference is a crime novel is it's a crime that catalyzes all the action. So in that sense, they're novels. And, and so I do get to change them, and I, but I do it in a gradual, slow way. And yet there's constancy there because... I don't know if you guys have best friends. I still have friends that I met in 1959 when I moved to California. I have, I see these guys. I have friends, long friendships, and that's very meaningful to me. And, and they're not uh, writers or, you know, most of them are doctors, actually. One's mm-hmm. a rabbi. Most, most of them are doctors and lawyers and guys I went to school with. And, and I just think that, that friendship is a very important thing, and that's what these guys are. Nice. Awesome. So, and, so Jonathan, yeah, so you. your website, so JonathanKellerman.com is probably the best place for everyone to find out all the latest information you got going on? That, that and Facebook, absolutely, and the Random House page, okay. sure. So, so is Facebook the uh, social media platform that you are on the most? It's the only one I use. I mean, I don't oh, have pictures okay. of, of, of meals that I've eaten. You know, I don't see the point of that, so I don't <laughs> do Instagram for that. So, you know, I'm an old-fashioned guy, so I'm just... Anything I am. Ever- I can only handle really Twitter. I really can't do anything else past that. And that's because I'm only limited to like 180 characters. And it's like, that's a good thing for me because I could really just keep <laughs> typing and talking and they need to mute me down. Well, my problem with Twitter, it's like, you know, it's like booze and email don't mix, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you're spouting off and there's no censorship. So sometimes the best thing is not to say anything. <laughs> But oh, great. Oh, gotcha. I love the fact that we can talk and we can and we can meet and, and especially now when there's no travel. But even before that, it's just great to be able to reach fans and to yeah. tell them how much I appreciate them. Yeah. And, and I mean, Facebook. Really- I think I think four or five years ago, Facebook used to be a lot more a lot better way to reach, and it's kind of turned the yeah. other way a little more. It's a little bit more yeah. difficult to. But you know, I mean, you do what you can do. I mean, at least you're reaching some people and. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's all you can do in today's day and age. It's exactly. Write yeah. your books and speak for themselves. So That's, that's it. And, so, and, and just like that, so your book, Serpentine Again, is coming out February 2nd. It'll be in every format people want to buy it in. I'm sure it'll be, you're going to have the, is the audio coming out the same day too? I, I believe so, yes. 
Yeah. Okay. So February 2nd, everybody, uh, the book is called Serpentine, book 36 in the Alex, Del- in the Alex Delaware series. So, Jonathan, of course, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Love having you. Uh, love your work. Got to have you on again. I'm in L.A. You're in L.A. Maybe we can meet up, have a little lunch or something sometime, and we can all do this safely. But it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Because we're allowed to have lunch. We'll have lunch. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll have lunch whenever, right. you know. Okay. But, yeah. Okay, guys. All right. Thanks so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to...